All right. Hello to Mark, who is going to talk to us about his um, fabulous business or um, centre in Myrie in near, near Fremantle, isn't it? Um, yep. called Modus Movement. So over to you, Mark. Welcome. Tell us a bit about you and what you do. Thanks for having me. I run a movement studio. It's called Modus Movement. And the idea is to get people moving. Basically, we run classes and I try to share ideas of movement as a way to learn more about yourself and your body. Of course, of course health comes with that. But one thing we try to get people to approach a little bit is this idea of learning skills rather than just viewing it as uh, fitness for fitness's sake. Mm -hmm. So most of us anymore end up being a bit compartmentalized. I have my hobbies. I have my family. I have my career, the things I do. Oh, and then I have to take care of my body, which fits, you know, anything fitness related and or food related. Mm -hmm. But as I always like to tell people, whether or not you like it, you, you can't get away from your body. It is a part of you, right? It is a part of everything you do. All those other things, the work, career, family, everything, it all includes the body. And we know this, right? As it starts to degenerate, people's quality of life just drops dramatically. So rather than viewing it as, okay, I go to this class and that's my fitness, I want to view it more as I'm providing an education for people. So over time, we start to learn more about things that we can do with our body. You start developing a toolbox to address any issues as they come up or just simply to learn new skills. It's far much, it's far more rewarding when you're learning something and get excited to go further into it rather than, oh, it's this chore I have to do just to make sure I don't break down in five years time. Right. And I find it really, very rewarding to do this with uh, people and building a community around it, because eventually community is something that sustains us and it, it makes it uh, far more enjoyable as well to share this with other people. So, so true, because I can I can add to that that I've been to your studio twice. Do you call it a studio? Uh, I kind of call it a bunch of different things, studio, gym, space, right. facility, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, your facility. Uh, I did come and see you, I would say, probably more than five years ago for a little bit of one-on-one -on -one stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've re – I guess I've been wanting to come back to you for a while because I know how good it feels to engage in that movement in your body. So I can say that it's a real fresh – um, perspective on moving your body rather than just hitting a gym and lifting weights. So can you obviously differentiate between movement and exercise because they're two different things or do you see them as the same? To be honest, I'm not a huge fan of exercise, even though I understand it's very uh, important. I view it as a byproduct of some of the things we do. My background is in exercise science. I've got a degree in it, in uh, exercise science and biomedical studies. I mm. used to get really into all the details about it. And I still keep up to, to date to some degree with what's going on in the new research that comes out. But if you have something, you think of dancers, you think of martial artists, you think of rock climbers, they're not doing it for fitness. They're doing it for a love of the thing. Yeah. Right, true. And then they maybe round that out in case there's any injuries or preventative measures that come in. But they're not going just for those preventative measures. They're going because it's a part of something larger. Yeah. So for me, it's its own uh, practice is what we call it. You know, if you go and learn one discipline, one, one uh, 
common hitch that comes up at some point is most people, when they're doing their one discipline, if we take rock climbing as an example, it's all pulling. So they get some imbalances going out. But one thing that happens with movement is we constantly are looking for new areas to develop. So as soon as we're getting a bit of progress somewhere else, we start to apply those pieces to another realm. And how we run it at MODIS is we have projects that run about six weeks, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. Okay. And we go from, and we take what we've learned in one and apply it to another and things keep cycling around. So I've been going to the prep class, which is kind of getting me, giving me some insight into all those different ways of moving your body, I guess. So what is your current project when you say you've got a six week, have you got one running at the moment? And when does the next one start? So we've got, uh, like you said, you're doing the prep class. And the prep class is the bit that is looking at preparing the body. It's a preparation class, preparing yeah. the body to do any of the other movement things. Hmm. Um, because the reality is, as much as I say, it's, it's nice to be learning those things. There are some things that hold us back, whether it's injuries, whether it's some strength limitations, mobility. So that's what we're focused on in those classes. What yeah. I tell people is we do strength work and mobility work so that they're never a limiting factor. Right. I don't want to go to that climbing wall as once again, as the example, and find out I'm not strong enough to pull myself up. I'm not mm -hmm. mobile enough to lift my leg up. So that's mm -hmm. what we do in the prep classes. In the movement classes, that's where we're running the project. And we're currently in week five of this project. And we've got another two to go. So we're going a bit longer with this one. And we are doing rail work. So we've got oh, rails yeah. yep. standing on them, developing balance, but also learning other ways to move around the rails and put together some pieces. So someone could go to a rail in a park, get on it, go under it, move around it, spin around it, and do all sorts of different things with it. I, li I like the idea that it's it encourages play, doesn't it, really? Because... Mm. You know, as a parent, even if, if you've got little kids or you're a grandparent like me and you see a bar at a, at a park like you're suggesting, if you have been to your studio, there's things you can do with that bar. But I also enjoy how in the prep class it's really teaching me the basics and the um, what was the young man that I was uh, a student? Corey. Sorry? Corey. Corey, yeah. Yeah, really helping me, not letting me push me too far because I don't, understand the injury I could have if I try and push myself too far right so he's very insightful about not um, pushing you too hard but allowing you to develop how his experience tells him you might be able to so it's not limiting and it's really great because you feel so safe, hmm. you feel so, safe. so I like that idea about the the poles in the park so tell me about is it Edo portal or Ido portal and that's as a man, yep. as a guy, I've seen him on YouTube, haven't I? Yep. So when did your journey start with him? Because I noticed that you're a mentor for his organization or school. Yeah, so I was a part of his mentorship program. Um, I don't remember how many years it ended up being. Uh, up until maybe a, a year or two ago. Oh, okay. And um, I started initially because I came out of my degree, getting the exercise degree, exercise science. And I was considering going into physio or chiropractic, and then something didn't feel right to me. It, was, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Coming from the states, you know, that's a whole bunch more of uh, money to admit to as well. As well, and looking online, I uh, came across Ido and his ideas and the idea of movement and movement culture. And something said that I had to, I have to go to this. Long story short, he had an event in uh, Singapore in 2013. And I said, I am going to that event. That was my first exposure. And it was, it was, 
an incredible event, really. And then the next time he had a week-long event movement camp was in Thailand in 2015. And at that point, I had finished my degree. I had um, been waiting for this event to happen again. I bought a one-way ticket to the event. Oh, wow. Okay. And just kind of showed up and was just training and met a whole bunch of people there and part of the global community, eventually made my way to Australia. And um, yeah, here I am. I ended up opening a facility, was doing the mentorship program where we would travel to Europe and a few times a year. And yeah. That's that's you. Which part of the States are you from? I'm from Chicago originally. You're from Chicago. Yeah. I have never been to Chicago. So do you have students still from Edo Portal coming to you to spend time with you or has that changed because of the climate the last couple of years? So how it was set up is we would go to him. He wouldn't uh -huh. be coming to us. Um, yeah. He travels around in various places and puts on events and does online coaching. Um, so for those years, I was doing online coaching with him and when he'd have the events, we would, we would attend as well. Um, yeah. But this, of course, has brought out a much, uh, like I said, a global community. So it's mm. he's really popularized this whole thing of movement. Yeah. And um, yeah, people became aware of us online or see some of the work we do. And we've had a fair few internationals over the years come and travel and live in Perth for a time uh -huh. um, to train. Yeah, yeah nice. so Of course, COVID got in the way of that a little bit. So yeah. that's really... Uh, to put a hit on the international community, but it's always great having those people in because as I said before, it's this idea of a practice. So we have some people who come once a week to class and then we've had in the past some people who move to Perth for this and they're training eight hours a day. Oh, oh true. And wow. doing it all the time. But the reason it works is because it's not eight hours of exercise and fitness. It's mm -hmm. developing things. You know, they're in that time, they will do some strength work. They'll do some hand balancing. Maybe they'll be doing some dance, some spine work, taking care of the body. So there's so many different pieces to it that they're just going through with discovery all along the way and exploration, which is why you can do it for so many hours a day, if appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So what would be your ideal type of client or customer or attendee or participant? Which What would be your ideal participant in your courses, like the prep course? To be honest, I've thought a lot about this and I can't pinpoint it down to one type of person. The only thing I'll say is they have to be open-minded. Ah, yes, yes. That yes. is the biggest limiting factor for sure. Mm -mm. Uh, we have some people who are in their 60s. We've got some people who are early 20s or younger. We've got Sometimes we'll have teenagers come in as well. It's a very wide range of age, interests, backgrounds. You get some people who come in initially because they're really excited about maybe it's hand balancing and some of the fancier tricks. And you get some people coming in because they're, they don't want to be crippled. They want to get past an injury or something uh, like that. Okay. So a bit of a rehab. Yeah. And that's a very common one, I would say. But the people who end up sticking around are the ones who have that open mind and are willing to be challenged and keep coming back even when it's, when it's quite difficult. Because our projects are regularly changing and I'm a strong believer in exposing yourself to the things that you don't like as much. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. that's where the most growth is really. It is, it is true. I will agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and what uh, another thing I strongly believe in, especially for, for people who are aging, which is absolutely everybody, is we lose our physicality partly from fear of what might happen if we are to do. And you yeah. mentioned on this uh, touched on this earlier of not knowing how much to push and how much to pull back. Yeah. 
Yeah. And what I hope to share with people is with time, you start to get a sense of your abilities, both when, if I do this and I start to push, oh, an injury might come on and I might have to go uh, a bit slower. Most people fall on one side of the spectrum. Either they push too hard all the time and they're always injured or anything they feel, oh my gosh, I feel something, it might be an injury. And they're overly sensitive to it. I believe whichever side of the spectrum you're on, you want to go to the other side and then eventually find the middle and kind of have a bit of hormesis going on there. Okay. Easier said than done. But for someone to go from that process, let's say they have a background in some hard work, something like CrossFit or a hard martial arts. It takes a certain type of person to be willing to explore the softness, you know, some uh, a bit more solo work, slower work, yeah. um, sensitive work, maybe dance expression focused and shift that direction. And it takes a certain type of person who comes from a dance background, a soft background, maybe yoga or something like that, and then be comfortable working hard with a partner sometimes, sometimes with the barbell on the back, crawling around the floor, sweating, and just keep going even when right. you're tired. Yeah, 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 right. Okay, the, the spectrum of each side. Mm. And there's a place for both of those people, but it's yep. the open mind that takes them to the other side. Yeah, I know from just teaching my Pilates classes, I, I do see some clients really willing to stretch themselves a little bit further and others just stay with the status quo where they feel comfortable and that's fine because often I feel like if you're not sure, that's when you'll hurt yourself. If you're mm. holding yourself back, that's when you're likely to do yourself some damage if you're you're not sure about where you're going. So if you had... So say that I was a client in the community that wanted to come and start doing some movement at Modus. What would you say to me if my fear was that I wasn't strong enough? I would say it's perfectly fine. That's what we're here to do. That's that. <laughs> right. We'll start doing some strength work um, with any class that you come into. There's a wide range of people. Sometimes it's a bit more homogenous, but generally it's going to be a fairly wide range. And we give regressions, you give progressions for everyone to work on. And what, like I said before, as it's an education and you get a toolbox with time of things to work on, you'll start to notice if you come into class and you look around, sometimes people are doing something slightly different than what I said. And most of the time, it's not because they weren't listening, but it's because maybe they're dealing with a little bit of a wrist injury. And I said, okay, we're doing handstands now. And they know it's not appropriate for them. So they're going to do a little bit of extra work with the wrists. Now, in the beginning, this is really difficult. One, because we don't have that toolbox. Two, we tend to get really self-conscious and worry about whatever everyone else is doing and what they're thinking about us, which they aren't, of course. No, if anything, they might just be there to help. But it's hard, again, easier said than, than done. Um, so just show up. We'll give you variations you can work on um, and things you can do in class and out of class to help you fix that deficit. Cause there's always going to be something, whether I'm not strong enough, I'm not mobile enough. I've got this injury. I've got that injury. I haven't done anything in years. I'm unfit. Whatever label people tend to put on themselves, yeah, there's yeah. only one way to get through that. And it's to do the thing, whatever that thing is. Whatever that thing is, you just got to push through the, the barrier. I do. I did enjoy that. It was um, when I, even when I went this Wednesday with Corey, it was really, um, yeah, I just felt safe. I think I just knew that, I just had to put my trust in Corey that he would um, let me know the next step, I guess. So I would do one little movement and then he'd say, okay, well, now you can move on to the next one. And I felt really um, confident in his ability to tell me where to go next, which I think is the same as when I came and you led the class. There's always that little stepping stone to get you 
to the next point. And it's not, you don't have to be worried about being the best handstander or the best person that can do the most chin-ups or whatever. It's, there's always a regression, like you said, to start where you're at. And I suppose coming to plus class helps you find that spot in all the different movements, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way to do it. So what about building muscle? How do you um how do you think or how quickly do you think people can build muscle if that's their gain, if that's what they want? Is there a sign? Whenever someone comes up with a goal with that, I'm always gonna ask more questions about the why. Uh-huh. Okay. What is their goal? Because that's a very open question, right? What's their background? Are they a 20-year-old male? looking to build confidence because they're insecure? Are they someone who's older looking to stave off, uh, you know, aging or whatever it may be? Yeah, yeah. As you know, I'm sure a big part of that's also going to be, how are you eating? How are you fueling yeah. self, mm -hmm. yourself to do the things that you want to do? So the reality is I like to dive into a few more questions behind this because I don't want to sell what we do as fitness. I don't sell sure. body composition changes. Again, it's that byproduct of what we do. Now, I have had conversations with students in the past who are a bit concerned about weight loss or whatever it is or recovery, and then we can talk about a few of the extra steps. But a general statement of how do we build muscle? Again, you use the muscles. You use the things that you want to do. And if the goal is build muscle, then again, it has to come down to why. Because if it's just a blanket statement, no one's going to follow through on the actions if they don't know why they're doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it because they're trying to build muscle because muscle is great metabolic tissue that it's important to have that helps with things like weight loss? Mm -hmm. yep. Or are they doing it because they want to look a certain way? Or are they doing it because da, 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 da. I hope to provide tools for someone to achieve those those goals and open up another world of let's learn something and in the process gain the muscle. There's absolutely a time and place to focus on. Let's do some strength work here. Let's put our, our focus in that direction. But then what? So I'm going to ask more questions. Unfortunately, I can't give you a straightforward answer there. Oh, I like that. That's pretty cool. Because I suppose, you know, in my nutrition training, we're told with the food guidelines that for protein, I think it's 60 grams per kilo of lean muscle tissue per day that you should eat. And I've I guess lately I've been wondering about that whole story that we get told mm. because obviously as you're aging, you need more muscle. So if you're trying to build muscle, you need to eat more protein to build that muscle, right? So I think right. as we're aging, we actually need to eat more of this damn protein to keep it on our bodies more. So I've been teaching my clients and, and my Pilates crew to up their protein as much as they can during the day to try and, uh, sustain the muscle mass they have currently it's because we're told you know it decreases but does it decrease or is it because we're not eating enough it's a little bit of a chicken before the egg in my mind at the 100%. moment 100 how had, do you feel about that i had this time it was one of my professors one of my professors in uni i was not a huge fan of um and i remember we were i was in her class and she said recommend she's talking about the classic uh recommendations which uh, yeah. But yeah. she was saying, oh, 20% of, of your, your calories should be protein yeah, until yeah. you're, but except for elderly populations, it should be 10% because they have less muscle. And I was just like, maybe they have less muscle because you're making them eat less protein. Right? Yeah, right. It's true though, isn't it? Because I, I think, yeah. So I think with, with nutrition and I used to really pay a lot of attention to nutrition and I found it's, it's quite a concept 
a lot of people are very almost religious about what they do. So I try to stay simple. I try not to, uh, to share any message except to keep it as simple as possible. And my general thoughts are you need to fuel what your body wants to do or what you want to do yeah. with your body in particular. Yeah. And number one place to start for most people, I think as far as keeping it simple is protein. Yeah. If you're not getting adequate protein stores, uh, amounts, then your body's going to get it from somewhere. So the more your energy levels go up, the more protein you need to put in place. So mm -hmm. what I generally get people to do, again, just keeping it quite simple, is more or less um, I look at bo overall body weight and then you just do something like one, one gram, 1.2 grams per kilo kind of thing, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there at the bare I minimum. I am, um, yeah, I agree. Absolutely the bare medium, minimum as well because it's supposed to be a repairing source. Uh -huh. you know, it repairs and builds. That's what it does. And I think women especially have a tough time fitting enough protein in. I don't know what this is, but women, you know, stave away from protein and it really has, I guess, just come into the arena for me the last year that we just need to keep eating more. More and more. Yep. I know it's expensive, but you can find the cheaper cuts of meat or whatever and um, fill yourself up. Eggs are pretty cheap. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, there's so much to it, right? And I don't know in what capacity you work with, with your clients, but I'm sure you've come across so much of it's a social story too. Oh, yes. oh Coming yes. up with beliefs and images and all of this, which is why I try to remove it, if possible, from that while acknowledging it. You want yeah. to do this with your body, you need to do whatever it is. And it, I think that message often hits uh, well for people, especially people who have become parents and get really busy because maybe they come from, I don't want to vilify anything, but they come from a yoga culture and um, veganism is put forth and eat less and conserve, which is an important message as well. You know, we don't want to over consume. Yeah, there's a flip side. Yeah. But, and again, I'm generalizing here, but the, the, the yogis are generally still, they have their physical practice and then they are preparing for sitting. Uh -uh. If you are someone who's dealing with kids, a stressful job, driving traffic and you're trying to add our classes are 90 minutes at least 90 minutes of moving throughout the day that's a lot of stress how mm -hmm. is your body going to get through that if you're not giving it adequate energy energy in energy out yeah. to some degree right so yeah. that's what i often tell people when they start asking nutrition questions it's like eat more eat more <laughs> yeah. um Oh, I was just going to ask you what was the most scientific approach to building muscle, but you've kind of really delved into that a little <laughs> bit, haven't you? <laughs> I guess I was, um, I'm speaking at the low carb road show on the weekend or the real food road show. Um, and I am talking about the difference between movement and exercise. Do you know about Katie Bowman? Have you read anything of Katie mm -hmm. Bowman's work? Yeah. So I follow a, f a fair few of her principles in regards to feet in my, um, Pilates classes I do mm -hmm. try and add a little bit of strength training in each um, session so of course for me your body starts at your feet but how do you view that in your movement practice so do you um, is, it, or is it up top down or feet up or everything involved so there, there's two types of views and this gets back to that conversation about prep class and movement class the uh, if we're talking about learning some skill or some discipline for, and we just talk about learning, let's take something, some form of dance. 
you're not going to be thinking much about the body from a fitness perspective at all or a top down or a bottom up. You're just going to do the things you need to do and learn the movements you need to learn to perform mm-hmm. the things you want to perform. Yeah. So that's kind of the movement approach of it is what's the movement? Who cares about the body and anything going on? Just do the movement. And this takes you away from a lot of the, again, maybe social inputs of what I should look like or how I should be doing things or comparing to others. It's just about learning and enjoying the movement that we are capable of. Mm-hmm. Now, the other side of that is the prep side. Like I said, you don't want to get to the dance class and find out I'm too broken to participate here. Mm-hmm. And in that, that's where we start to look at it as more of a big picture type of thing. My view on this is let's just make the system more robust all around. And of course, this includes feet, includes top down, bottom up. You can also look at it instead of bottom up, you can look at it central to peripheral. Yeah, 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 that's another way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just now I'm not picking any fights here, but just let's let's look at a hypothetical example. What would you prefer, a broken spine or a broken foot? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right? (laughs) So why not start at the spine? And this is a message of Edo's actually is it's the, one of the difficulties with this idea of movement is there's no starting point. There is no foundation because the foundation for a dancer is different than the foundation for a boxer is different for the foundation of whatever you want. It is whatever you want to do. So we can't, well, there is no starting point. So where do you start? Uh-huh. At the beginning. <laughs> right. But you can start, the beginning can be in many different places is the message, yeah. right? So I can make an argument that the feet are the most important. I can make an argument the spine is most important. That's probably one. If I had to choose one, I would pick that. You could argue for the hips, the shoulder. But the most real argument is whatever whatever is the worst for you is the thing you need to address. Right? And if we look at habits and patterns, this is often a better way to look at it. Because most people just say, oh, my back hurts. So let's fix my back. But there's more to that story. Why does your back hurt? Probably sitting for most people, Mm -hmm. sitting too much, Mm -mm. right? Or if they aren't sitting, then it's repetitive movements. Mm. Um, Because anything we do, we get used to doing. And we need to break out of our patterns a little bit gradually. So this is where things like squatting, things like hanging, like little spine movements that we can do will be great for the sitter. Mm -hmm. Now, someone who's walking all the time, they're probably going to have more problems with their feet if they're always doing it with shoes or maybe always barefoot if they're on hard surfaces. There's so many different ways this picture can go, can fall apart, right? Yep, yep, that's true. So I try to make it individual as best as possible. If someone's coming with an injury background, that's often where we'll start. But my role, I am not a physio. It's not my job to diagnose. I'm not trained in that realm. So what I like to tell people is let's make the whole system around it more robust. That might not make you, that might not fix your problem the quickest, but long-term, again, you're going to have that toolbox to resolve because you're going to learn so much through the process of figuring out what's going on in my shoulder and where is it painful while increasing your ability level. So you don't get stuck at pain is the only measure of improvement, but hey, it still hurts a bit, but now I can do this, 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 but I couldn't before. That's also going to help you. Because I get a, I get a few ladies in my Pilates groups that have got frozen shoulders. It's that sounds like a really painful thing to have a frozen shoulder. <laughs> like it can't mm. really fix them, can they? It's a real tricky little thing. So, what does a typical day look like for you, Mark, in your 
do you work out every day or do you, I guess, maybe just travel along the day and move as you go? Uh, it really depends on the day. I would say, again, I, I don't view it too much as, as a workout per se for myself, but I the closest thing to do it would I do plan a little bit of strength work and mobility work. But for me at this point, that is really about 20 minute sessions, 20 to 30 minute sessions, four times a week that I do that every other day for strength work. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not doing anything else. What are my other projects that are going on right yes. now? Like I said, we've got a rail project. So over the last few weeks, I've just been organizing some of the material I've come up with on the rails, um, yep. which is kind of acrobatic in nature, just to make it easier to present. I was working on some acrobatic stuff previously. Um, sometimes I'll have floor work as a project. I've brought back some juggling as a project as well. Yes, so I tie in a lot of different pieces. And depending on how the day goes, sometimes I leave it open and sometimes I set aside time for, okay, now I'm just going to uh, put my effort into this focus on my movement, on whatever it is, my discipline of practice, my um, project at the moment for a time. So some days I'll be moving up to four hours a day. Some days it will be less than that but then that usually is on a day that i teach twice in the day maybe i'm trying to get an instagram post out because i'm trying to uh, get better with the social media and sharing with people um so it depends on what i have going on yeah i can say instagram is a large learning curve for me <laughs> it's just drains my life oh man but I, I eventually get there but it does take me a bit longer than i wish it did are you pretty yep. cool on instagram are you getting there uh it's it's Improving, improving yeah, I think for it sure. A really, I like how you, um, like I think today you did one on rolling. I just yep. saw what you had done today. So it's nice how you break it down into little steps that people can try safely um, yep. without hurting themselves. So what's the future for Modus? Where do you see it going? Uh, building the community, getting mm. more people involved. And I also, like I said, want to expand the the online side of things just because oh. it, it gives a bit more robustness and creates a, a larger global community that things yeah. can can feed off of. Um, I never want to make decisions based on, oh, I have to do this just because it brings in more money and we need, it's yeah. like, no, I want to do it what's best for the students and developing a practice in the community. And what brings your passion alive, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whether through the material or through the teaching, both of those things can bring me a lot of joy, but we got to mix them together so the material meets the students and it, and it helps out. So that's my plan is to keep expanding the community um, and, yeah, get, get the toes dipped in the water of the, the online thing. I really struggle with the online stuff because it seems because it is a lot more surface level. You don't mm -hmm. get to engage and have the relationships with people quite as much. That's why yeah. I've been very resistant to do it in the past. But as I kind of view it now is it's okay if it's surface level because it develops awareness and interest. And then some people will choose to take it further. And then you can, you can do so much more with that. But if you are too resistant to reach out to people and get those connections, then it's hard yeah. to have people to develop kind of stretches you out, doesn't it? So if someone wanted to be a an instructor at your facility, what is there, what kind of a person would you, are they coming from a PT background or a physio or how would you, if you wanted to employ someone, what would you be looking for? The first thing is them being a student of something. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In One your the, facility? Yeah. Potentially, yeah. At the very least, just so that they, they know how we operate, because it's so much different than what mm -hmm. most people are used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in you need to be able to teach, to communicate, to analyze. There's a lot of things that go into it that's not just teach this, because people will get excited if they're teaching something that they enjoy. So in this, in a workout model, in a fitness model, whoever the head person is, they just tell everyone else, this is the workout for today. And you just babysit people so that they don't injure themselves. Okay. But I want people who are uh, able to put together their own pieces, something that they want to share. And we've got our projects and we'll fit within that, but we need to have some autonomy. Their yeah. Their own craft within the craft. Yeah. For sure. And of course, I'll be picky with the way certain things are done, generally around safety. Yes. Um, yeah. But other than that, let people go a bit. And then we can have conversations about why it works or why it doesn't. And it's it's a longer process than some would like it to be. Um, but even if they're not a student of us long term, they have to be short term to see what we're about and how we operate. But they have yeah. to be a student of something. And one of uh, teachers I got exposed to through Edo, a guy named Martin Kilbody, he at one point said, you see all these teacher training programs out there. Where are the student training programs? Uh, how can you be a teacher if you've never been a student? Very true, very true isn't it? Yeah, it's right. very true. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then you think of how we were students. Most of us, last time we were a student, whether it was uni or high school, were you a good student? Did you actually care about learning or taking the information on, assimilating it, listening, trying to develop relationships with teachers and peers, helping others out in another? There's so many aspects to this, this idea of being a student. And we, most of us were never a student. And I see it all the time. We have our long-term students who kind of get how to operate, and then you get a new person in. And it's challenging because I'm asking questions. I'm demanding attention, focus, these things. And it's very difficult for people in the beginning because they're used to paying attention to their hobby, their family, mm. and their career where they're threatened by loss of a job if they don't focus. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we, we do something on a rail. Today, for example, today we had a task on a rail that was basically uh, how many times can you squat on the rail? I let people choose their own goal. And if you don't hit it, you start back at zero and you go again. Uh -huh. So we had a few people say, I'm going to squat 50 times on the rail, rail balancing, very narrow surface. Yeah, and know. if I fall off at 45, I start back at zero and we go oh, again. Right. And the frustration that comes up with this, we don't get many other places. And in this, this thing that they've opted in to do, that they're coming to look just to have fun, maybe, or fitness or whatever you want to call it. Suddenly they're forced, faced with this frustration. Most people want to quit. Mm. Oh, what's the point of this? They start rationalizing every reason under the sun why it's stupid rather than admitting that they're bad at it or they have more to learn or that they can't handle their own frustrations. I laugh sometimes. We play balance games and someone's getting mad at a tennis ball. Mm -mm -mm. Right. And I know it's it's a, it's just a joke, but I say you're mad at, you're mad at this tennis ball. How are you with with relationships in your life? Right. It's a bit funny. There's so much more to it, of course, but yeah. people realize, oh, my God, that's what we're working on here, not just the physical side. So you're talking about a real mind body connection that you. It's all of it. We can't separate them. No, we can't separate them. So I did have a question that's gone right out of my head that I was going to ask you. What was I going to ask you? Oh, so what's your favorite movement? Personal. Well, that, that's going to come and go. I. Pinning it down to one thing, I say, would be challenging. Um, 
Pick five. Pick five. Pick five. Okay. Giving you a bit of leeway now. Something that's been there for a long time, I would say, is variations of spinning on the shoulders. So on the floor, I showed a video of rolling today. Yeah. Um, But we can go backwards. We can balance on the shoulders, spin on the shoulders. And there's so many pieces that connect from this idea of getting the weight on the shoulder and spinning around it in rolling that I don't, that one's been around for a while and I just keep finding more pieces with it. Mm-mm. A cur- a more recent one that I'm sharing in classes right now is uh, extension over a bar. So we're working with our rail project. So you imagine a little handrail yeah. and then just laying backwards across the bar. So your body's completely extended, arched all the way. Mm-hmm. And it's something I did years ago and then came back to it maybe a year ago and started expanding and realizing, wait, there's so many more connections we can do from this point. I just avoided it because it hurts. Uh, but once you get past that point, there's actually yeah. a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, so those are two that come to mind, but things come and go. When I first started, of course, I was very uh, drawn in by the idea of the handstand, this idea of balancing on your hands. That's but my goal. That's my goal. Great. <laughs> Great. It's a great one to start with as well, because you can't get there without a bit of perseverance and frustration that comes through it. And it's very rewarding. But personally, that's something that I haven't been interested in um, for years as much. Um, But we still do it very regularly because it's it's very important to get people exposed to being inverted upside down. And it opens up so many possibilities. Very thought, I tell you. So. In your on your website, you've mentioned that you have had some injuries. Are you able to share? Did they stop you working? Was it before you were teaching? Was it when you were a student? Um, so yeah, people ask my background, and I sometimes give the cheeky answer of injuries. I played <laughs> I played soccer growing up, um, and even at a young age, I had uh, I don't know what they were, but groin pulls and little hamstring pulls and things all the time. At 14, I tore my ACL um, and had to have an ACL reconstruction. At 15, I had to wait a year for the surgery because I wasn't done growing yet. So they wanted to wait on that. Uh, Yep. Then I had uh, shoulder problems in my late teenage years and early 20s, I would say. And um, at the worst, I got an MRI scan. I had like about the size of a 50 set piece cysts in the shoulder, paralabral cysts and a labrum tear. And they suspected I had the same thing in the other one, but um, I didn't get a scan on that one. And the the surgeon told me that I wouldn't have normal use of my shoulder without surgery. And I just said, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, So I ignored, he said, okay, well, here's a, you can have some cortisone shots. And I said, no, I don't want to do that either. He said, get out of my office. Yeah. And then, from there, I basically rehabbed the shoulder back. I used to get pain lifting my arm to uh, just about this height. Any higher, I was too painful to go. Yeah. And I just started going very gradually and promoting more movement overhead and up to a point where I started doing a lot of handstands and one-arm handstand work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say as well that, you know, a lot of times we get injuries and they'll be there forever, you know, depending on the severity of them. Like my shoulder, what I often tell people is, yeah, I still get shoulder pain when I do too many one-arm handstands. Yep. That's ah, not a real problem. That's not that a real not a, problem. At all, <laughs> right? No, it's not. So for me, I just need to manage that, that the volume, if I were working on that, if I'm doing acrobatic stuff, it's something I'm aware of. Sometimes it goes a bit funny, but then I just go back to the tools that work for it. Same with my knee. I'd say about every year and a half, two years, maybe because I'm not focused on the strength work so much, maybe I get a bit lax with my re- rehab, prehab work. Um, 
and my knee starts to get a bit bad for a month or two. And then it just reminds me, go back, do your strength work, do your, your prep work, your rehab for it. And then it gets back to a place where it's fine. So I've got a bunch of uh, things that are all started from before I was training. Um, before I was doing this movement thing, it was just when I was, you know, being a kid mucking around mm-hmm. was in high school, again, in the States, I saw the cheerleaders do backflips and back handsprings and I just tried it. And that was the first shoulder injury. It just went yeah. boom. So <laughs> I've got a stupid background of injuries in that way, but it's given me a lot of uh, exposure to injuries and exposure to how to deal with them. It's something I I think is really important for people to learn. The reality is you're going to have injuries, whether you're doing extreme things or sitting on the couch. We -hmm. all know people who are injured from doing too little, right? But by doing things and coming and, and having the injuries that are hopefully never too serious, you start to learn the process. You start to learn, is this something that I need to go to emergency for? Do I need to get professional advice for? Or is this something that I can manage myself? Or is it not so bad that I need to go right now to emergency, but I'll give it a few days and ease into it. Most of us operate, most people operate from a uh, place of fear of the unknown. Yep, yep, absolutely. I don't know what's going on. Therefore, I'm going to do nothing, which is a terrible place for most injuries, not all, most injuries. Do you think then that's perhaps those, I'm going to call them little incidental injuries along the way, have um, massaged you to become the person that you are in the field that you're working in? Because often people have a background story as to why they got to the career they want, especially when they're so passionate like you are. Do you think it's given you a different perspective and perhaps a bit more empathy and and more passion for your role to help others? It's definitely... It's 100% shaped my view on injuries. I think if it weren't for my experience with them, I would still be in a place of just trying to like, it's the worst thing if an injury happens. Like, oh my God, we we need to avoid it. But rather than having this response of, we avoid as much as we can. You never want someone to be injured. But when it happens, sometimes there's a moment of, well, now we have an opportunity. Yes. There's a chance for learning here that we would never choose, but it's not a bad thing that it happened. Yep. Right. Yep. So it has, like I said, taught me so much. Um, yeah, it's definitely shaped the way I do things. I don't think it would have changed too much about um, where I was and teaching and sharing, but it's definitely improved the quality of what I do because it's given me more confidence to talk to people who are injured and um, and empathize with them what they're going through Mm-mm-mm. and not be afraid to talk and just say, okay, you have to go do this or talk to someone else. But Mm. I feel more comfortable saying, knowing when it's time, yes, go see a professional. This is not my space versus Mm -hmm. we think we're probably okay and not just ignore it. Cause that's what sometimes people do. Is it a four, is it less than a four out of 10? Ah, you'll be fine. Just keep going. Just keep going. Right. Which is not a good response either. Yeah. Do you find most people into knees or hips or what's your, what have you seen as the most common injury? Is there one? I don't think so. It all comes down to what they've done before. Most people deal with a stiff low back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, that- I would say, I suppose that question could be taken two ways. So I'll make sure we cover both of them. Yep, yep. People showing up or people I talk to in day-to-day life. Most of them I would say would deal with low backs. Um, I would say in Perth, actually, you get a few more shoulders, I would think, because it's a fairly active community with surfers and yoga people and shoulder injuries are common in both those communities. Um, 
The thing that maybe surprises people sometimes when they come and train with us which, or it's, it's not an injury, but the, the toll that it goes on the wrists. We put so yeah, much yeah. weight on our hands crawling around and we have to yeah. learn how to take care of the wrists. So it's, it's not uncommon. Someone comes to their first class and like, oh, my wrists were a bit sore the next day. And yeah. that can be a surprise, but we still try to strengthen them and avoid the, any injuries. I do strength up. training in Pilates because a lot of women have issues with, with weak wrists. Um, it's interesting how much we forsake the use of our wrists, you know, like we need to use them a lot. And when they're sore, you realize how much you use yeah. them. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're useful little parts of our body, aren't they? Yep. What's your, what's your favorite resource at the moment? Do you have one person that uh, fills you with inspiration as you try and develop your business some more with someone like a resource that you use that you could give as a top tip for everyone? Ooh. I don't know if I have a go-to. If you're talking about business development, to be, I just no. recently had a conversation of a good friend of mine. He's by no means a, a business guy or anything like that, but uh, a guy in Brazil, uh, Rodrigo. Oh. Uh, he's running Pratique Movimento over there. And we, we were just having sharing some uh, voice messages about ideas of things to put into oh. place. And I'm going to try one of his ideas in the coming weeks. So I'm excited to see how that goes as far as bringing in new people. Um, as far as material, like you get inspiration from different individuals and what they're doing out there. That is one nice thing with the, with the social media is you get little snippets of what yeah, people are working on and you, you can just get an injection of an idea. And then um, your ideas follow through with it, right? You can put on yeah. your own little spin on that. Yeah. They're, and they're if, you, interesting. Yeah. if you want names to pass on, obviously Ido has been a huge inspiration in my life and a huge oh. teacher is he do you, do you know what's that how old is Edo? well as he i do know how old he is but he, he would always say age is irrelevant yeah. we all have to acknowledge that aging is happening but your age means nothing yeah. we know some people in their 40s who are moving like 70 year olds and we know people in their 60s who act like they're 30 um yeah it's kind of like a little bit of an Eastern mindset, isn't it? That you're mm. more connected with yourself and it is what it is and what will be what that will be. It's that sort of a mindset from him. Yeah. 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 Well, he's a practitioner, right? You, you go down right, in, in the city, but I know there's some guys down in Margaret River area, some people down there who do pottery. Ah. Sometimes you'll see the hands are all, not, that doesn't stop them from doing their craft. Yeah. They practice, they do what they love. They take care of their body as best they can to allow them to do more of what they love. Um, I, I don't remember who said it. It's a classic line. I think it's, uh, was it Bukowski who said, find something you love and kill yourself with it? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So where, where can people find you on uh, social medias? What's all your, is it just Modus Movement or have you got so a YouTube got Channel. Yeah, we've got Modus Australia on Instagram. I'm starting, well, actually, I've, I've taken a bit of a pause with the YouTube, but um, I'll get back to that just because I'm trying to be consistent with the Instagram posts first. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll Take start expanding onto YouTube. I was going to say I will send you a YouTube video on some risk prep you can do and you can share with your, your clients as well. Yeah, um, so I love that. So there's a little bit of YouTube starting to happen. And you can find us, of course, in Myeri at the studio and at our website, which is uh, modusmovement.com. And yeah, you can message us anywhere, Instagram, Modus Australia, and I'll, I'll be happy to reply. I think you've, I really feel like you've got one of the best jobs, you know, because your whole 
your whole setup is just like a big playroom for people to come and have fun, right? Yeah. And that's how it should be when we're moving our bodies. It should be fun and adventurous and, you know, I'm saying all of these things and one day you'll probably take me in a class and I'll go, I'm not doing that, and you'll be able to say, remember what you said. It's <laughs> well, it, there's two sides to it. Some people look for the fun and the adventure, but then as soon as it gets hard and real, they quit. And then you get some people who want to take things seriously all the time. We need both. We need to know how to work hard, softly. We need to know how to have fun, how to play, how to expose ourselves to fear and still move forwards. This is a big topic in our rail project right now. You're scary. We'll go through in a way that's controlled. Uh, very, I'm very much about risk management. And we want to expose ourselves to these things that bring up those feelings so yeah. that we know how to operate within them. So it's a skill for your life as well, right? It's not just 100%. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your chat. Um, I will let you get back to your, your life. I've taken up enough of your time on a Thursday evening and I will probably see you at the studio soon. Great. Thanks for having me. See you next week. All right. See you. Right. So I've stopped recording.